How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of Wrestling Conversations. So before we get into the interview today, I'm going to ask you guys to do a few things for me. Um, first would be to um, leave us a star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any um, other um, podcast platform that you use. That'd be greatly appreciated and would help us out uh, quite a bit. Uh, next, if you could follow the show on, whether it's you call it X or Twitter now, whatever it is, um, the handle is at res, W-R-E-S, convo, C-O-N-V-O, pod, P-O-D. Um, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Um, so our guest today is the owner of Time Bomb Pro Wrestling based in Fargo, North Dakota, um, Eric Morrison. So we talked to Eric about um, how he started Time Bomb, some of his his um, his upcoming shows, what his inspirations are, things like that. So if you don't know about Time Bomb, Time Bomb's been around for about five years now, and they've really been growing and hitting their stride in the last couple of years post-COVID. Um, they use a lot of um, local Midwest people, such as Eric Cannon, Derek Corbin, Jordan, Badger Briggs. Uh, they also bring in a bunch of people too, such as you know Brian Keith is their champion right now, Kevin Koo, um, Dominic Garini. Um, the list kind of goes on and on. So they've had a lot of big names come through there um, as well. So um, please give this conversation a listen. Welcome back, everyone, to Wrestling Conversations. Our guest today, um, owner of Time Bomb Wrestling, uh, Eric Morrison. Eric, thanks for coming on. Hey, man. Thank you for having me on this. I'm super excited that we can make this happen. No, yeah, me too. I, um, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about reaching out to you for a while, so I'm thinking I'm uh, glad that we were able to to make this happen since we're both kind of in the Fargo Grand Forks area, so that it, it works out good. Yeah, I I actually found out about your podcast listening to your interview with Darren Corbin, and when I heard you mention that you were from Fargo, I was like, oh well, this is perfect. I got to get on this show. So glad we could make it happen so quick. I mean, I only DM'd you like probably a week and a half ago, so glad it came together super fast. Yeah, no, me too. It's something that I, I mean, I had something last week, but I, I didn't have anything on my calendar and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a nine to five guy. So I, I have work and other than that though, I'm able to make stuff happen in evenings. So no, this worked out perfect. Um, but I kind of wanted to, you know, I probably won't go through every step of, of, of the way for, for you, for how you got time bomb going, but I want to for sure at least bring up a couple of things here, but I want to kind of start before time bomb, before we get into that, um, how were you first introduced to wrestling? Was it something that you like have watched since you were a kid? Is it something that you came across a little bit later in life? When did wrestling come into play for you? Um, so I think I probably was around five or six. Um, my grandpa had like, so I specifically remember in my grandparents' house, this like bookshelf that was filled with just like bootleg VHS tapes of like, um, so probably like WrestleMania five, WrestleMania six, like old, old, like probably Coliseum videotapes and stuff that like my grandpa just like borrowed from somebody and taped over or something like that. But like, he would let me bring them home and I'd just watch all these old WWF videos and it stuck with me, but I really didn't get into it probably until like the early two thousands, like that ruthless aggression era. That's when like, I, I really, really got into everything and started watching weekly. And I mean, like, I remember I used to map out my entire week of like, okay, TNA's on spike this week, like, or this day, Raw is on this day, SmackDown's on this day, Velocity's on this day, Heat. Like, I'd watch literally everything. Like, so probably that, like, 8 to 12 area, I was just, like, completely obsessed with wrestling. And I fell out for a little bit. I got back into it when CM Punk got really hot, 2012, kind of that area. Mm -hmm. 
then fell out of it again and got into it when the elite were really popping up and everything like that. So honestly, probably the same lifespan as like most wrestling fans nowadays. But yeah, that's kind of what got me into it was just watching those old tapes that my grandpa would give me and then finding out like current wrestling and stuff like that. If that answers your question. No, yeah, perfect. Um, I think everybody has that, that kind of that period where, we fall out of wrestling for a bit. I think I had mine. I mentioned this in my last episode. I had uh, Jeremy Lambert on from Fightful. And he oh, kind of okay. T- yeah, yeah. He kind of talked about um, – and he was one – I think I've everybody that I've talked to I think has had that time. He was a guy like, oh, I, I kind of fell off for a little bit. I still watched, but it was only the big shows. Or for me, I had a couple-year period where I just – I didn't watch like anything. And then kind of, kind of during that same time period as you, I kind of got back into things. Um, probably that CM Punk time as well. And – Okay. I, I have to ask, because I, I, I want to say that there's definitely some, when I've watched, I'm kind of jumping ahead now, but when I look at Time Bomb, I definitely see some like similarities in some of the things to like a like an FMW, an ECW. Where do you think like for you, um, what were some of like your inspirations for starting Time Bomb and what, what companies do you kind of model yourself after? Um, so absolutely ECW and FMW. Um, the Time Bomb name is absolutely a reference to FMW. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I was getting into like Ruthless Aggression era, stuff like that, um, I was also on YouTube like all day just watching like ECW highlights and stuff like that. So the hardcore stuff always like that was my thing for the longest time. And like um, I guess what really like when I mentioned that I got back into wrestling when the elite were popping off, I had a friend named Jason who's been helping out with Time Bomb basically since day one. And he showed me a lot like so. When I got back into wrestling around like 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. he showed me a lot of the stuff that like your like internet wrestling fans like really like praise. So like mm-hmm. the 94 Super J Cup, like FMW exploding death matches, stuff like that. So he kind of really got me into like the the more the I don't know, the more secretive stuff that I didn't know about when I was watching CM Punk and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. the more I watched FMW, so Time Bomb actually started to kind of sidetrack time bomb started as me making like bootleg shirts of like fmw matches and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and it was called time bomb usa so when i wanted to do shows at first it turned into time bomb pro wrestling so the fmw reference you totally nailed it um but yeah fmw ecw i mean like even now i watch ecw all the time and it it gives me ideas and i watch stuff like old memphis wrestling just southern territory wrestling just because i think that hardcore blood angles stuff like that that's really the niche that we've carved out for ourselves so those that's kind of what i watch for influence as a kid and what i watch now for influence so yeah i was gonna ask about that too about like what kind of you know because i i have to imagine that like you know for whatever the case is whether you're you're booking wrestling or you know any type of creative endeavor you take inspiration for for other things like how how, how big is that now for you where okay like not that you're copying anything, but I think everybody has to draw inspiration from somewhere. So you mentioned that you watch, you know, Memphis Blood Angles too and ECW. Do you find that that is really helpful for you? Because I'm a totally an outsider from this perspective of you know what it's like to book shows and kind of make all those angles happen. Yeah, for me, it's huge. I mean, like my my take on it is that to come up with anything that's original is almost impossible. Like. You, you have to watch older stuff and take inspiration from it. And then you can twist it in your own ways. So like for me, one big thing that we did was last year, we did this angle with a guy named Ricky Norin and he was like a, a deathmatch artist is what he called himself. He would take like canvases and 
paint guys blood on it mid-match and stuff and he'd sell it afterwards and claim he was like a an old artist and stuff like this but so we did this angle where the concussions and all the death matches added up mm-hmm. and he kind of lost his mind he becomes like a religious nut job and stuff like that but we had him be so dedicated to it for like eight months that this guy didn't mm-hmm. wrestle he just like me and him would go back and forth online all day and like people genuinely believed it and like something i pulled from that was like in ECW, when um, Sandman had a fireball thrown at him, that guy mm, stayed yeah. home for like a year with like bandages over his eyes and stuff. Yeah, and for stuff. me, that's a big, yeah, for me, that's what pro wrestling is. Like you have to make people believe. And even now, like even if people know that it's not real, they still want to believe. So even if you can make them think for a second that it's real, I think you've succeeded in I think for the most part, people, even if they know it's not real, if like I'm arguing with somebody and they think it's fake, like they're still going to play along because at the end of the day, it's pro wrestling. And that's what we love about pro wrestling. So for me, like just trying to watch old angles and stuff and seeing what they would do to make people believe it was real. That's mostly where I get my inspiration from. Awesome. So I I think I've asked this question to everyone I've had on because this is something for me that is really fascinating where it's like, yep, you were a fan of wrestling and then I've I've had wrestlers on. I've had people that are like, you know, that work for, like I mentioned, Jeremy, that works for Fightful or doing like podcasts or writing of some sort. What is is the mindset like of, okay, I like like this as a fan to then becoming like, okay, I actually want to get involved and to actually do something here. So how did you kind of bridge that gap? Um, so for me, which I think most promoters say, like for me, it was just like, oh, I just want to do one show and like, just see how it is. And like, that'll be it. So the backstory really is, is like, I was playing in punk bands for probably 10 years of my life. Um, like I, I had one that did a lot of like touring and stuff. And like, I made a lot of connections, booking shows and stuff like that. So that's really where I learned it. When that band was done, I was kind of burnt out on music. And I took like two years off of really not doing anything, not booking any shows or anything like that. And Time Bomb actually started out doing what we call no ring shows. So it's basically just like fighting in like a bar or like a venue just on the floor, like no ring or anything like that. Really just bare bones, like DIY wrestling. And I saw a guy named Casanova Valentine, who's actually become a good friend of mine. He works a lot of Time Bomb shows and stuff, but he started doing it in New York at a lot of bars in Brooklyn. We do like these death matches and bars and he actually had a vice documentary made about him. So that was like my, my introduction to him. And I saw that and I was like, Oh, well this looks like something I could do and something that I could do once. And maybe that's it. And I could live my dream of doing a wrestling show. So my experience booking punk shows and stuff like that really came in handy because I, I knew how to reach out to guys and stuff. And once I talked to a few wrestlers, I really learned that there's not much difference between like the music scene and the wrestling scene. Like it's all DIY. Like everybody's doing their bookings themselves, their merch themselves, stuff like that. So honestly, the first show really came easy to me. It was when we started introducing the ring and doing like full scale productions and stuff like that, that it got a little bit more tricky, but luckily I have people like Eric Cannon, Darren Corbin, like those older guys that really know what they're doing. They kind of helped me out along the way. And honestly, if it wasn't for those guys, I probably would not have succeeded and made it as far as I have so far. So it's just one of those things that I'm, I'm always fascinated with. Cause like there's, there's no, and I think for you, for sure, like having that, that background experience for, 
promoting shows and, and music too would be a huge help. But just like there's one of those things like there's no there's no playbook for this. Like even every promotion's gonna vary a little bit in how everyone starts too. So that's always a always a question that I, I like to like to ask is it's something for me on the outside of this it's just like i i wouldn't even know where somebody would start and something like that. no but. totally and like even even when i reached out to guys like at first like i was terrified i was just like hey like i have this idea here's what the idea is if you don't want to do it i totally understand and like once i like heard back from these guys and they're like oh yeah that sounds like a great idea like then i realized that wrestling and music really is the same like people just want to express themselves create art in different ways and stuff like that. So once the idea didn't seem so ridiculous to me, it was kind of off to the races after that. Sure. Sure. So in, for anyone listening to this, that hasn't maybe been to a time bond show or hasn't checked, checked you guys out on like YouTube or on social media. And we kind of talked on, we uh, kind of touched on some of like the origins there, but how would you describe time as time bomb as a promotion and maybe what sets you guys apart from, maybe other competitors in the area, in the region, things like that? Um, so I think the extreme counterculture type of attitude that we have towards it is totally what separates us from everything else. And I mean, for the most part, a lot of wrestling in North Dakota is family-friendly wrestling, and yeah. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, there is a huge market for that. And I guess it's just never appealed to me. Like, I've always wanted to take that risk of doing something different and doing something that I believe in and just finding a fan base that believes in it and is so passionate about like what we do, like those shows, like I'll, I'll be at the door taking tickets and I can name almost every single person that's coming in. And I mean, that's 150 people, 200 people at this point. It's like having that sense of community when we're doing such extreme stuff. Like, I don't know. I think what separates us from everybody is not just the matches and the crazy death matches and stuff that we do and the names that we bring in it's also just the sense of community that you can feel in the crowd and i mean if you come to two or three shows you really start to feel that i mean like i've had people that come to one show and they're hooked and they become part of that community and it's just it's really cool to see because at the end of the day those people aren't just twenty dollars in my pocket to me they're part of the time bomb experience and i i want to make sure that people are coming back not just because i want their money but because I want people to be a part of something that feels really special. And I, I think that's what time bomb is to not just me, but a lot of other people. And that's kind of the thing I'm most proud of is creating that community. Sure. And I, I, I've only been to one time bomb show, which I'm hoping to change that, change that soon. But I've checked out a lot of your guys' stuff like online too. I know you upload some stuff to YouTube and just through, you know, Twitter, stuff like that too. What I, what I noticed when I went to your guys' show and just when I've kind of, as I've been kind of following along, um, from home some is you guys do I think a really good job of having definitely a variety too like you have a good mix of people that are Midwest people you have guys that you're you're flying in but it's also just like matches too where you have yes you have your death matches and different hardcore matches things like that too but then there's been a lot of good really like high quality um, like wrestling matches that I've seen too I'll throw out um, Kevin Koo and Brian Keith as an example of like some of those matches that you guys have put on. So I've, I've really appreciated that, that from what, from what you guys have put out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like a big part of the ECW influence on me is like everybody remembers ECW for the crazy hardcore and like extreme matches and stuff like that. But you also had your RVD versus Jerry Lee and like a feud like that. And I always compare the Kevin Koo and Brian Keith trilogy to RVD and Jerry Lynn, just because the caliber of match that you're going to get from those two is always going to be phenomenal. And like, to me, 
you can't do shows of like just death matches all the time because you're gonna people are gonna become comfortable with it. I don't know if that's the best word to use. Right. And you're always gonna have to up the ante. You're always gonna have to do more. And it's just like at what point does it become too much? So for me, it's like if I can do those matches every now and then, that way I don't have to like pull out a drill and drill somebody's head or something like that. We can still use like barbed wire and glass stuff that's still dangerous but like people have really become desensitized to everything especially in the deathmatch community so trying to make sure that we're not uh another statistic of that is uh something that i'm always worried about uh overthinking just like making sure that we're not making people desensitized to everything because it's very dangerous at the end of the day and if we're doing stuff that's not getting a reaction that guys are like risking their lives for what's the point? So I try to make sure that whenever we do those things, they really mean something and that the crowd is going absolutely insane for them. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're doing it for. So if you're breaking light tubes over somebody's head and people are just like golf clapping, then like I said, what's the point? So that, that to me is something I always think about. And I'm glad that it shines through to other people is that we're, we're trying to be a variety show for sure. And you guys have, I mean, have a lot of, a lot of great names come in, whether it's, you know, Brian Keith, you have, you have some of those guys that are more of your vets, like you have a Darren Corbin, Eric Cannon, then you've got uh, Kevin Koo and, and Dominic coming in pretty frequently. Um, you've had Jordan, Badger Briggs, lots of names that I'm not mentioning too, and you guys are having Joey Janela come up or um, for the next show here that we'll, t- we'll touch on in a second. Um, since you guys are still like on the, on the newer side, but yet I feel like you guys have grown so quickly too, and then not to mention, and I think we will, we will mention the COVID situation here in a second, but... Um, how has that experience been for, for you to, to attract such quality names for a promotion that is still kind of on the new side? Has that been a struggle for you? Cause from the outside, it seems like that has just come together pretty quickly, but again, um, so just the, the outside perspective, what, what has your experience been like? Um, so for me, it's been pretty easy that honestly, the hardest thing is getting some of those legends or like some of those like ECW guys, like we brought in Sandman, Sabu, um gangrel people like that and honestly like it's it's really intimidating to try to get somebody like that but when i have somebody like an eric cannon or a darren corbin in my corner that i can be like hey you've booked this person before like can you reach out to them on my behalf and just kind of vouch for me and eric cannon's really good about that he's always gotten me in contact with guys vouch for me stuff like that so that that part was intimidating at first it's kind of gotten a lot easier um reaching out to some of the bigger indie names i've kind of learned how the uh how the landscape goes with that and it's gotten a lot easier but at first it was very intimidating trying to like book fly-ins and stuff like that and i mean like the way i look at it is that there's two different time bombs that i've basically done and it's pre-covid and post-covid because i mean pre-covid we were doing only no ring shows and to be completely honest those are super easy to do like Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of overhead there's not a lot of setup or anything like that so covid kind of forced our hand to do those like full scale productions that I had talked about and kind of forcing us to get a ring to get venues and have actual seating and stuff and not just standing around a circle in a bar watching guys hit each other with light tubes. So yeah, I mean like um, it's been about three years now that we've been doing like those full scale shows realistically probably two because we did one during COVID that was the first, but those two years, I mean the growth has been insane. Like just seeing, all the people that we brought in and stuff. I mean, it even blows my mind sometimes. So I'm just like, how are we doing this? And it, I try not to set myself on autopilot. Cause I, I do try to like 
take a breath and really like think about how cool what we're doing is. But sometimes it is easy to get on autopilot and just be like, oh yeah, like we have Bill Alfonso from ECW coming in and he's doing a match and like the whole lead up to it. I'm just like, eh, whatever. And then when I'm actually there and I'm watching it happen, I'm like, okay, this is something that's really special and we're doing something really cool. So it's nice to kind of take a step back and really let that stuff sink in when you're there. But yeah, I mean, it is easy to get on autopilot booking all these like indie darlings and stuff like that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of how I feel regarding the whole thing. And I think especially kind of in our, our area too, like as a, like as a kid, I don't think, I don't think I, I mean, I didn't go to many wrestling shows as a kid too, because it just wasn't, wasn't around for me. I mean, like, or or if it was, I didn't, I didn't know about it. Right. You had at that time, if you were looking at like WWE, they, they came to Fargo. I mean, they come more frequently now, but as a kid, it was not, not often, or it was like, you're going to the twin cities and, um, there wasn't a ton of like indie options that were in my area as a kid that I could get to. Um, so to me, it kind of like when I started hearing more and more about, about time bomb, where it's just like, Oh, this high quality promotion is here local where it's just like, I'm not even used to having shows even remotely close to even, you know, to even go to. And then, um, I'm super upset too, cause you guys brought in, um, Mike Bailey, which he's, he's definitely one of my, one of my favorite guys. I think a lot of people. Oh probably, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was in, I was in Mexico at the time of that show on a, on, oh. a, on a several year delayed honeymoon. We, my wife and I got married in <laughs> 2020. So we were taking a much delayed honeymoon. And then, um, that happened to be the dates that were, that you guys had speedball booked, But, um, but for me, I think for people in this area too, that's something that I feel like people have been, have been waiting for, for, and not to, not to discredit anybody else that's, that's run in the area, but I think you guys are definitely on, on a different level for sure. No. And I, I do agree. Like, I think that something like time bomb is something that shouldn't work in Fargo, North Dakota, like having such a niche in the promotion like this and like bringing in names that, not everybody has heard of, but the most hardcore fans have heard of. Like, I honestly don't know how it works sometimes, but somehow it does. Like, cause you, you know, like fully loaded wrestling was around before us and they brought in a lot of names, but it, at, also at its core, it was still like a family promotion. Right. And that's really like, not to discredit anybody's work, but I do think that's a pretty easy, like cheat code for this area is like, just do an all ages show, have a bunch of wrestlers that wear bright colors and stuff like that. Have a doink the clown on the show and you'll have 200 people coming through the door. Cause they're like families and their kids want to see it. But um, for me, I've always just wanted to challenge myself and do something that I would want to go see. Cause at the end of the day, like I'm not booking for myself, but I'm also booking shows that the type of fan that I am would want to see. And I'm lucky that there's enough fans to, stimulate that market and make sure that we can at the end of the day still have money in the bank and still be able to do these shows so it's something like i said that shouldn't work but somehow it does and i'm just so grateful that it does and you and you mentioned it kind of being like a like a niche like a niche product kind of but i think that's the thing i think that's why it works right it's just like the people that are that are into it are really into it and are going to come out and support you know, every show or every few shows and fill up the seat. So I think to me, I feel like that's like, that's really what makes it a success. I don't know if you agree. I don't know if you'd agree with that or not, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. I think one thing that I, I have going for myself in this area is that in the past wrestling has not been shown in the best light around here, especially like on the independent level. Mm -hmm. So I think when people go to a time bomb show and they, they don't know those niche like wrestlers that we're bringing in and stuff, they're just Mm -hmm. going in blind some of them have an expectation of what an independent wrestling show is going to be. 
And I think a time bomb show absolutely blows that out of the water. You know, when you see that we're bringing in guys that can do all these crazy moves and like doing death matches and stuff like that, it totally blows away everybody's expectations of what an indie wrestling show can be because unfortunately, like I've been to some shows that are just like absolute stinkers and like that, that unfortunately sets the standard for a lot of people that are going for the first time. And then it's really hard to get those people back and it's really hard to change their opinion on stuff. So that's the cool thing to me is seeing people that are just like, I never thought I would enjoy this. And they come to a show and they love it and they keep coming back. So creating new fans is really the coolest part of this whole thing to me is just like people that didn't think they would like wrestling at all, especially independent wrestling. And they end up loving it and becoming a fan. So that for me is the coolest part of it. And I definitely think that we have that going for ourselves. Oh yeah, definitely too. And it's, it says a lot too, because it's like those, those, those first impressions for people that are, that are, you know, new fans or haven't watched indie wrestling very much too. Like, um, I can use my, my wife as an example, right? She, so she, she knows wrestling. Like I've watched wrestling ever since we've been together for like almost 10 years now. And, but she hasn't been to, you know, a ton of shows and I took her to a time bomb show and that was her first indie show. And, Oh, hell yeah. And she, so she went and she was, and she was definitely into it. Like she, I think had a great time too. And just, I think she was surprised at just like how good everyone was. Like, um, my thought was when I went to that one show too, like I've, I've taken her to a couple, like she's been to an AEW show. She's been to maybe one or two WWE house shows too. Um, especially those, like, I think when we went to, um, the WWE house show too, we were sitting pretty close to, or, you know, and also for time bomb, we're sitting close to, and I think in her mind, it just totally like blew it out of the water for just like what she was expecting and the amount of fun she had too. just like, I just don't think people know what to expect, but once you get in there, it's like, oh, this is, yeah. Like, but then, like you said, there's those shows out there that are maybe not the best representation of what indie wrestling can be. So I think you guys definitely, definitely do that well. And that was my, my own personal experiment there to see how that would go. And it, it was a, it was a, it was a success for sure. <laughs> do you remember what show that was by any chance? So that was the, um, I think it was 2021. It was the, I was going to ask you about this too. It was the Minoru Suzuki show. Was it with violence? Perfect. Forever? That's, that's kind of what I was expecting. Yep. 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 That's. That, that was the show that really changed everything for us. Like, it, mm-hmm. you know, we had such a huge crowd and a lot of those people kept coming back. And honestly, that was really like the paradigm shift where things really started to click. And it's kind of mm-hmm. just been off to the races ever since. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that show. How did how did that kind of come? Like, how did that show come together? Because that was something I think I I think I was listening to. Um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, with post wrestling. Have you heard of those guys? Oh yeah, yeah, yep. I love John and Wade. I, yeah. I listen to him daily. So, so I it was on. I can't remember if it was because they. I can't remember which show it was on the feed because those guys are. You know, they've they had like you said they put out stuff all the time. But they've got some other guys that do different shows. I think it was John and Way had mentioned that Suzuki was coming to Time Bomb. I think that's how I figured out he was coming because they they talked oh, about well, it on the show. Uh, and well, I was like, that, oh, I was like, that, I was like, oh, I gotta get tickets for that as soon as possible. That makes me very happy because I actually reached, I had DM John and said, Hey, like, I know you guys are covering some of these Minoru Suzuki shows. Could you mention this on a show or just on the site? And it honestly, like we sold a lot of tickets after that show had come out. So it makes me feel very happy that that one DM sold a lot of tickets and turned a lot of people on a time bomb. Cause sometimes I feel like I'm just uh, annoying people, but that one was definitely worth it. So that makes me very happy to hear that that actually worked on you. So. Oh yeah, no, it worked. It it totally worked, and I and 
you know, I think I didn't hear about it too, because prior to starting this podcast, I didn't have any social media, which is in this day and age is very probably bizarre for most people. Like I'm just probably <laughs> more of an introverted guy, right? I'm not on, but I think I had maybe Facebook at the time and that was, that was it. So I have not been plugged in for a lot of things. So, you know, I would hear things, um, um, but I th- yeah, that's definitely what sold it for me. I heard about that. And that was, that's where I kind of discovered you guys. And, um, I want to get to more shows for sure. Cause when, uh, I actually just finished grad school here recently too. So the tickets to time bomb, I, I don't want this to sound any in, as in like a negative way, very affordable, but I was in the position of just like my wife and I were both in grad school at the same time. We were kind of pinching pennies till we're done. So now the finances have, yeah. have been, have been freed up. So time bomb is a very affordable, but I'm hoping to come, come, come to more shows now after, uh, got the school taken care of and have a real job. So <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when I set the prices for stuff, I'm always just like, okay, a professional wrestling show is probably at the bottom of everybody's like, uh, financial priorities. So I, I try to make sure that I can keep it at a price where I'm going to be able to keep doing this, but to keep it affordable. And I think we've kind of found a sweet spot with that $20 general admission, yes. 30 ringside, stuff like yes. that. So I, I'm always hoping that that's like a, a realistic price to people for the, the product that we deliver. So, yes, I think that's a, I, I would go as far as say that's a, that's a bargain too. Like if you go to a, um, I just went to a couple of movies recently and by the time my wife and I each get a ticket and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe some snacks, things like that. It's, it's well over the cost of what it would be to go to a time bomb show. So I think it's definitely a value compared to what else is out there for sure. Absolutely. I, I just saw Barbie and Oppenheimer in the same day. And after like the snacks and everything, I was already at like the price of a WWE ticket. So I, I totally right. feel you on that. So I know. And we went to like, sometimes we will, um, Sometimes we'll splurge and go for like the the dream loungers. I think like, and we just couldn't get. I think for the shows we went to because we saw both of those movies as well. And uh, oh, we yep, just, yep. there was just wasn't. I just didn't buy tickets early enough, so there wasn't seats. Um, but still, we went just like the <laughs> you know the the typical stadium seating. And um, yeah, I think by the time we walked out of both of those, I bet it was. I mean, definitely a good good chunk of change, which I'm happy to do. But um, thirty bucks is is not bad for a, a ringside ticket. Yeah, it's it's really hard for me to justify like raising any prices or anything like that just out of fear of like losing a lot of people just because I know that money's tight for everybody. But it's it's hard sometimes because it's like, oh, man, like flights are going through the roof, like my rent's going up at like the venues and stuff. It's it's really hard to justify it sometimes. But I'm at a sweet spot right now where I can like still afford to do shows, even if I have to fly in less people or stuff like that. And I'm trying to make it not noticeable that we're we're cutting costs a little, but I'm also at the end of the day, still making sure that it's more than worth everybody's money and that we're still delivering the best possible show and everything like that. So. Sure. Sure. So I know that you, you guys have, um, two shows here coming up. You have one here in Fargo on August 10th. So maybe let's take a second and, um, maybe if you could just kind of run down like what you guys have booked so far for that show and just to kind of give, give the kind of a rundown there for, for everybody listening. Yeah, so on August 10th, we're going to be at the Sanctuary Events Center. It's actually going to be outdoors. We're doing a show in the parking lot of the Sanctuary for the first time. So it's kind of just a fun little summer thing. You know, people don't want to be locked up inside when it's nice out and stuff like that. So we're trying something different there. And we have a stacked card. Like, I'm really excited about it. Um, We have a double main event of a dog collar match between Jordan and Mad Dog Connolly. That's a feud that's been kind of stirring ever since, um, I think, February. We first did that match, and it's just been kind of brewing ever since. And then our co-main event is a street fight between Darren Corbin and Eric Cannon, the feud that never ends. But 
we at least we at least have a reasoning for it. You know, um, back in October at that show with Speedball that you were talking about, Eric Cannon and Darren Corbin wrestled just in a regular match, and Corbin actually broke his shoulder in that match. And ever since then, he's just had it out for Eric Cannon. He, he's attacked him at multiple shows now, distracted him. You name it, everything that's happened there. So that feud's been brewing for a while. A match that I'm really excited for is Joey Janela versus frontman Jossie. Yeah. Jossie really making a name for himself on the indies. Obviously, jo- Joey Janela is like the gatekeeper of the indies pretty much. So really excited for that one. And then we have Heavy Metal Lore versus Brandon Gore. Brandon Gore making his debut. Um, been making a name for himself in first wrestling in the city. So really excited to bring him in. And I'm hoping that the, the crowd sticks to him as much as they do in Minneapolis. So, And then the last two matches are actually the first round of a tournament for a new title that we're making called the Sanctuary Championship, named after our venue that we run at. So the first two tournament matches of that are Kevin Koo versus Connor Hopkins, which is going to be an absolute barn burner, and Badger Briggs versus Shane Black. So I'm very excited for that tournament and to crown a new champion and you know we can kind of have that icy title that we uh so it's not just a, a heavyweight championship defense on every single show sure sure and you you mentioned the um eric cannon darren corbin match too so you said that's the feud that never ends that is also a match that i could always watch right those guys are so have been doing it for so long and are still just both so good too so i'm definitely looking forward to, to that one too for sure well i, th- I think uh i think corbin even mentioned it on your podcast yeah. that he tries so hard to make every match different because, you know, they've done it 150 times or whatever yeah. now. And, you know, you've always got to make it different somehow. So I think they've wrestled three times now. So this will be the fourth in time bomb. Um, so I, I think they've all been different. They've all been great. And I'm I'm just really excited to see what they do in a street fight because obviously Corbin, he's he's had so many street fights. And it, it's funny that that weekend he's having three hardcore matches in a row. So he's uh, he's really doomed himself for that weekend. So he's going to start it off with a street fight against Sarah Cannon. There you go. And I don't, I don't think Darren will mind me saying if, if, um, if he minds Darren, I'm sorry, I guess I'll have to cut this out or something. But so Darren <laughs> was the first, he was the first um, pro wrestler that I ever met. I was probably, so he, so here's the, here's the backstory. So he, um, so his first cousin is married to my sister. So that's, and I don't, we don't know each other super well or anything, but I met him probably the first time when I was at their wedding. And I think I was seven or eight then. And yep, uh, yep. I was about that. So then at, when I was, you know, around that time, he came over when I was living with my, with my mom back in, back in DL, he came over cause my, my brother-in-law, um, that, that is his cousin, um, was over at the house. So he stopped over and I had, I don't think I'd ever been to a wrestling show at that point. Um, but that was, um, the first wrestler I ever met and I was totally starstruck cause it's just like, Oh, there's an actual, <laughs> actual wrestler in my, in my house. So it probably makes him feel super old, which he's not, he's not even old, but, um, he's just been, he's just been doing it forever. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a really funny story about my, some of my first time seeing Darren Corbin. So like, um, I had seen him at fully loaded wrestling in Fargo for the longest time and there, you know, there's kids there and stuff. So like, he's more of like oh, don't you boo me, blah, 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 like generic heel kind of. So like he was still very entertaining and I I liked seeing him and everything like that. But my first first wrestling show that I went to was at First Avenue. So it was like the real experience. And as soon as he came out, I just like the whole place, like nuclear heat, people are Mm -hmm. throwing shit at him and giving him the finger and stuff. And I'm just like, this is a whole other side to this guy that I've never seen. Mm -hmm. So that 
that really opened my eyes to how versatile of a of a pro wrestler he is. And I mean, Eric Can is the same way. When you have that much experience, like you're you're really on top of your game. And those two are probably the biggest, um, I guess, uh, aces in the hole that I have to really to bring out and to have them to go to for advice. I mean, like Eric Cannon, I can message him at 3 a.m. and be like, hey, uh, how do you feel about this person? Or what would you do in this scenario that I'm in? And he's always there to reply. So those two for me are really just like the biggest helps that I've had doing this whole thing because I'd be lost without them completely. So, Yeah, both guys that are, I mean, from just the outside looking in, just I, I, I don't think I could ever get sick of the, those two wrestling. So I'm happy to see that one on the show. Um, but you, you guys have another show coming up in, in Minneapolis in, um, that's September 2nd, correct? Yeah. Yep. Just announced. Okay. Just announced. Do you guys have any, any matches booked for that show as of now? Yeah. So I haven't announced them yet, but I'll be happy to list them off here. Um, so it is a no ring show at the Eagles 34, which is in, uh, the Seward neighborhood. So it's a new venue. We did Mm -hmm. a show in Minneapolis like two years ago at a bar that is now, closed unfortunately but so i'm really excited to do this show at the eagles it's going to be insane but um we have music from mall who is uh our commentator garrett he's a former wrestler and that's his like death metal band so they'll be playing and then we have four we have four matches which will be jordan versus darren corbin brandon gore's open challenge and then dr redacted versus badger briggs in a death match and ricky norn versus casanova valentine in a death match so two death matches, two kind of more hardcore matches. It's going to be a great time. And uh, we're already over halfway sold out for that one. So I think it's going to awesome. be absolutely packed. Awesome. Is that something that you guys are hoping to do? Like, so this is your second show down there. Is that something that you guys are hoping to make more regular or is that every couple of year thing? Is that where it's going to stay for now? Um, Realistically, I would like to do it maybe like once a year. Like I, I wanted to do another one right after that first one we did, but the bar closed and everything just kind of, it's, it's really hard to find a venue that's okay with the stuff we do. So it took a while to find a new venue. So I'm hoping this one goes good. Maybe we can come back in like eight months or a year. It's not really like, I I definitely want to focus on Fargo. That's where our meat and potatoes are. I I don't want to step on Cannon's toes. I don't want to step on all my friends who do shows in Minneapolis. Sure. So for me, it would be nice to just do something like once a year, keep it a special thing, do a no ring show, have it sell out stuff like that. So I, I think it'd be cool to keep it special and then just focus on Fargo for most of the time. So I'm hoping everything goes well with the venue and we can keep coming back. So. Sure. So without, you know, without, without spoiling anything, that's any upcoming plans. Um, what are, are there any like specific goals that you have for, for time bomb? Like something that, okay, maybe even if it's just a pipe dream at this point, or if it is something that's more realistic, um, do you have any like goals or things that you're hoping to, achieve maybe in the next year or two um so right now my main goals are just getting the numbers up which seems like a generic answer but it's something that i really think about like every day like okay what can i do to keep having people coming back to every single show because right now our average is around 150 like one 125 150 so like 125 i'll consider a bad show 175 200 i'll consider a good show Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to get it to where I'm drawing 200 people every single show. Like no matter what I throw at people, that's the number we're going to get. So um, yeah, for me right now, that's the goal is just getting the numbers up and then um, shoot, what was I going to say? And then just making it something that's either self-sustaining or something that I can live a comfortable life with doing. Like I would love to make this my full-time job and just like 
kind of not live off of it, but just live a comfortable life off of it for sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think those are, those are two good goals that I think are very, you know, very definitely reasonable things that, um, I think, I think the fans benefit from that too, right? You're getting more people in the building, probably even a better atmosphere. And it's already have, you guys already have a great atmosphere with fans that are definitely into it, making lots of noise, but, um, I think that's a great goal. Um, I was going to ask too, so where, so if somebody's, you know, ways to support time bomb we've got obviously the show's coming up here what are some other ways that people can can help um can help support time bomb um i think just spreading the word you know that that word of mouth is absolutely crucial to us just making sure that people know that we're around and just coming to that one show and kind of falling in love with it like i mentioned that's that's something that i'm really trying hard to just kind of get the word out to everybody and and hook those people and make them fans for life so i think the best thing that you could do is just kind of tell your friends that you don't think would really be into wrestling just to tell them to give it a shot and see if they like it. Cause it, it really is something special. And it's something that I think a lot of people are kind of looking for in Fargo, like something that they can do on a Thursday night. That's a lot of fun and something that I guess they wouldn't imagine would be so much fun for themselves. So just spreading the word is probably the best thing you could do. Sure. And this is kind of a, kind of a random, random question here at the end, but, um, I saw that you guys had recently done like a set of, of trading cards. So that's something, as you can see, which people that are listening can't see what's behind me. I've got all sorts of figures and I've got above me, I've got some cards. How did the, how did the trading cards come into play for you guys? Um, so we have a photographer named Ryan Durant who is really, really big into cards mm -hmm. and he's been kind of bugging me to do them for quite a while. And I'm not too big on the cards trend. Like it, it's really, really blowing up just not in wrestling, but in sports in general. Yeah. So it's something that I've wanted to do for a while. And we finally just got around to like designing cards and stuff. And I'm really happy with this is the designs on them and stuff. Like I think they look great and it's something that I definitely want to do more series of, but I mean like the, the reaction to them was like, it blew my mind. Like I didn't really think there was that many people that were into cards, but we made a set of a hundred and I only have like two left and they went super fast. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something I want to do more. It's just like, I I've seen a lot of wrestling promotions make cards. So it was kind of always in the back of my head to do them and it just finally came together and they sold really well. So hopefully we're going to do more in the future. Sure. Yeah. Something I I'm definitely, I'm not like a hardcore card guy. I get some here and there. There's nothing like opening a pack of cards for me every once in a while. It's a good, it's a good alternative to like lottery tickets or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> um, so where can, where can people find you guys online? Um, so for tickets and merchandise and all that, it's timebombpro.com. And then on almost all social media, we are just at timebombpro. Um, the only one that might not be that is Facebook, but then you can just search timebombpro. That's the easiest way to look it up. So, um, yeah, timebombpro on everything, timebombpro.com to get tickets and all that. So that would be the place to find us. Awesome. Well, Eric, you've been very generous. Uh, you've been very generous with your time so far, so I'm going to let you go. But you have a, a standing invite to come back on anytime you want to whether you got a show coming up and want to promote that. So please come back. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. It was a pleasure doing this. I will absolutely be back. So thank right. you. Yeah, absolutely. And good luck on your shows coming up. Thank you. Thank you.